This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 62. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Liam Dempsey. And I'm Tara Clays. Today we're joined by Ian Dunn. Ian is a plugin developer who is sponsored to contribute to the WordPress project full time. Most of his work is focused on building tools to support the community, particularly through WordCamps and meetups. Hi, Ian. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. You're very welcome, Ian. Thanks for joining us today out here in the hallway. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I live uh, downtown Seattle in a studio apartment. Um, it's one of those kind of classic older brick buildings uh, that has a lot of character. Um, and uh, yeah, if you, if you know anything about Seattle's renting market, it's also a lot cheaper. So that's very important. Um, I, uh, I grew up in Ohio and I moved out here about eight years ago. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with the Pacific Northwest. It's, it's my favorite part of the country. There's, you know, you got some great cities like Seattle and Portland, but then there's also, you're just always close to like mountains and forests and lots of places to explore. Um, I also uh, work remotely from home. Um, and I, I love that cause it just gives me so much flexibility and autonomy and like how I structure my day and, um, it just kind of, it feels like a more humane way to work. So I, I can't imagine ever going back to an office. So did you used to work in an office? Yeah, I think the first, um, maybe the first, well, yeah. So in, in high school, I started working as doing tech support and then up through uh, college in my first job. So probably, I mean, probably the first 10, 12 years of working was this like kind of office-based and in the past since I moved out here the past eight, eight years, it's been um, from home. In high school, you started doing tech support. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, um, my uh, junior and senior year, I did this tech prep program um, where I kind of half the day was like your normal classes, like English and whatever. And then the other half was um, like uh, IT classes, kind of, you know, programming and networking and, and um, systems, like all that kind of stuff. And part of that, the, I think it was the, the second half of my senior year was like an internship. And I did that at a local community college, um, just kind of, you know, there's lots of computer labs and lots of staff and everything. So if the help desk couldn't solve a problem, like I would go out to the person's office and, and kind of fix it physically. And then I started working, I started, I, I, uh, after high school, I went to that community college and started uh, kind of doing the same kind of work as a student worker and then eventually got hired as like a part-time worker. Um, so it was all kind of doing the same work. It was just like the, the pay kept going up right. for the same yeah. work. <laughs> That's great. Sounds like a great program that you had. Did you, so you knew from an early age that you were interested in computers and tech and you're sort of, must have had to be somewhat self motivated or driven or were your parents sort of looking, look, keeping their eye out for that, that spark and, and pushing you in that direction. What do you remember about that choice to go to that school? Um, I mean, it wasn't, it was more of just, uh, I mean, this was back in like uh, the mid nineties, late nineties, I guess. So, it, I mean, the, in hindsight, the kind of the tech renaissance or whatever had already started, but it wasn't really, it didn't feel like a, 
like it was just always a hobby to me. It wasn't something that I ever thought would like be a career. It's just, you know, a lot of my friends were in that class and it was better than like, you know, going to gym or whatever. So it just, it kind of became a career. Um, I kind of lucked into it, but it wasn't ever something that I was real intentional about until kind of later on. I think that's fascinating. So you did that while other kids were, uh, in the marching band and doing theater and playing soccer and all those things. This was your, this was your passion at an earlier age, even though you didn't realize it was going to turn into your career. Very cool. That's great that they had that for you in the nineties in your community. Yeah, definitely. I was very lucky. Yeah, that is really neat. Ian, let me ask you this. Um, You said you moved out to Seattle about eight years ago from Ohio. Out of curiosity, where in Ohio? And was the move to Seattle work-related or you went out to vacation there and said, wow, this is cool. I got to move here. Tell us about that. How did it come together? Yeah, so it was uh, Dayton, Ohio, which is about um, halfway between Cincinnati and Columbus. Um, And uh, I just kind of moved out here because um, after college, a lot of my friends had kind of scattered around the country and I just didn't have a lot kind of holding me in Ohio anymore. And uh, a couple of my friends had grown up here and moved back or had been out in Ohio and moved out here. And I'd always kind of thought that it was like a, it seemed like a great city and um, was at the kind of like uh, on my list to like visit and everything. And so having all that happen kind of bumped it to the top of the list and I just figured I would, you know, just kind of, I basically like sold everything that wouldn't fit in my car and drove out here and just kind of decided I would give it a shot and kind of it it ended up being uh, a really good thing. That's cool. So did you go out with, with a job already? Were you remote working by then? So you could have gone to Denver, you could have gone to Chicago and you just want to go to Seattle. It sounds like that's might've been where you were. You're already working and remotely so you could work wherever, right? Yeah, exactly. I, um, uh, like kind of, I think senior year of college, I'd started my first web development job and, uh, I did that for about six years. Um, uh, but it was a few years into that where I, I decided to move out here And at first I was thinking that I might have to um, uh, find a job out here just because the cost of living out here is so much higher. Um, But then I kind of ended up like I sold my car because I I live downtown and can kind of walk everywhere, which I love. And that's, that saves a lot of money every month. And, um, and then I just, I started landing some clients out here, which we could charge them more because of, you know, the market rates and everything. And I just kind of, I guess I never really thought about working from home. Um, and it was, it was kind of like, I, oh, I'll just do this temporarily until like I kind of settle in and I can find an office. And, um, but then I just discovered that I really love it. And, uh, you know, why would I, why would I want to you know, go back to an office? Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I've worked from home since 2006 full time and part time since 2004. And I couldn't imagine leaving the house every day for work. That would be a challenge. Um, yeah. Let me, let me circle back to something you said, uh, what Tara read about you, is that you're a plugin developer and you're a sponsor to contribute to the WordPress project full time. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, so um, for a while now, the WordPress project has had this concept um, called Five for the Future. Um, I think Matt Mullenweg, Mullenweg talked about it at uh, one of the State of the Words a few years ago. And it's basically the idea that um, companies that kind of are really active in the WordPress community and, and build uh, or kind of get, get a lot out of it, um, it it's a way to uh, give back. So if you 
kind of the idea is to contribute um, like 5% of your time back to the project. Um, and uh, a lot of companies do this. Um, the company that I work for is called Automatic. Um, and uh, so basically, instead of working on like WordPress.com or Gravatar or all the other things that they do, um, my whole team and a, a few other teams as well are dedicated full time to um, various parts of the WordPress project. Um, the one that I kind of, my team focuses on is the, the community team and the meta team. Um, so the community team is kind of uh, focused on fostering and kind of supporting the community that's kind of grown up around WordPress. And then sure. the meta team is um, responsible for all of the official websites like wordpress.org and wordcamp.org. And, um, and so those two teams work closely together a lot of the time. And um, yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit more more about five for the future because I um, I've heard about it, uh, but I'm wondering how you get involved in that, how you got yourself in that trajectory, and and how that relates to yourself as a developer. Because to me, it sounds like you're contributing, but it, but as a community person, maybe it's not so much code as what you've done before. You can clear that up if I'm completely wrong. I'm making a guess there. Yeah, so I guess I um, I got into it. Um, well, so I you know once I moved out to Seattle, I, I got pretty involved in the local community here um, and was kind of contributing and in various ways. But I wasn't too involved in the the more global community or the online community. Um, but I'd always kind of been aware of uh, of automatic and, and kind of been impressed with some of the the philosophies that they have towards towards work and. Um, and I just never thought that like I would, it, it never really occurred to me to apply because I just thought, you know, I'm, I mean, they have this reputation for being, you know, really good and everything. And um, a lot of that is just hype. But in, you know, when my, uh, you know, not being, not seeing inside of that, all you see is the hype and it's kind of sure. intimidating. Of course. So yeah. I just never, yeah, I just never kind of thought to apply. But then I, I one day I just saw this, listing for a position that was kind of describing what I do now. And it, it just was like, you know, I, this is too good. Like I, I'll, I'll regret it if I don't at least try. Um, and so I ended up getting that position and kind of transitioned into um, contributing in a more kind of intentional and focused and, and full-time way. Um, and there there are a couple other parts to your question, but I now I've forgotten them. Well, I guess I'm just curious as to what the responsibilities of that job are as a developer, as somebody who's a plugin developer, define yourself that way. Uh, and you, but you're working on uh, community. Say you build tools for that. So are you building plugins related to a WordCamp websites, or what is you know what is your role as a developer as it relates to the community? Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, a lot of it is building plugins like for WordCamp.org or um, so. For example, for example, uh, there, there's some things that are kind of uh, for all the local organizing teams. Um, like we have a plugin that lets them kind of build their custom CSS for the website on GitHub and kind of automatically sync it. Um, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, people love that one. Um, the, uh, 
the and then there's the other side of it is uh, things that al- allow the the community team to kind of manage some of the centralized logistics. Like um, there's a tool where each WordCamp can enter its budget, and then the the kind of their mentor can kind of work through them and kind of manage that with them. And there's um, some ways to like sync those. Like when we reimburse uh, an organizer for expenses that they've paid we can kind of sync that to QuickBooks and to like the, um, the kind of the bank accounts and kind of help all the accounting get done efficiently. Um, yeah. So it, I think I've seen that. And, and also, is it also, uh, isn't there a plugin that does that sort of the whole RSVP list, attendee list management as well? Yeah. 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 We have a plugin for, um, all of the kind of the the ticketing um, and it right. includes like a lot of add-on features like RSVPs and printing gravatars and uh, for badges and that kind of stuff. Okay. Is there anything that falls outside the realm of WordCamps and meetups as it relates to community and development that you're doing, plugin or code development? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's always like random stuff. Like I, I mean, most of my time is spent on, on WordCamps and meetups, but I also every once in a while I'll kind of dabble in core um, with like, like the events widget in WordPress 4.8 um, or the GDPR tools in 4.96. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll help out on the security team, just triaging reports and, um, and then just, you know, random stuff like, like the WordPress 15th anniversary this year. Like I helped build the website for that. Um, so it's kind of, there's always like the core of like kind of community stuff, but then there's, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's always stuff that kind of helps over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we had someone on recently who talked about, um, her recent involvement with contributor day and mm-hmm. that it took a while to sort of connect with people in person at contributor day. And I know because WordPress is open source, um, there are contributors who want to help and want to do things. How do you interact with them? How does that work? I know sometimes when I've gone to contributor days, it's kind of hard to know sort of who's giving the marching orders or who's, you know, organizing everybody there. And if what you're doing is actually going to, you know, be taken into core or anywhere else, like how do you, do you um, participate in those contributor days? Do you get, do you get things from contributor days that then you need to incorporate or manage or vet or, you know, how does that, how do you interact with that, with those people who are either at contributor day or maybe on Slack in the Slack teams adding and contributing? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big part of it. There's always um, contributions coming in, whether it's, you know, from a contributor day or just somebody kind of in their day-to-day life. Um, And so it's always kind of a, um, a balance of like, um, trying to because uh, I kind of have like my own projects that I, I think like me and, and my team kind of think are like kind of these are some of the big long-term things that are going to make a big impact but then there's also that kind of um, aspect to it where like we want to be like you know we don't want to like dictate what happens we want to be part of the conversation and and um, so part of that is kind of uh, you know, when, when contributions come in, trying to like give feedback and, and merge them if we can. And, um, and so yeah, contributor days are like always like, they're usually very chaotic and it's hard to, like, I've tried to organize a couple of them over the years and it's, 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 it's always, uh, it's, it's kind of that, that open source chaos that, yeah. you know, it's, uh, 
it, there are good things and bad things to it. And, and there are some things you kind of like learn along the way about like, like it's always good to have somebody at the door kind of greeting people and saying like, Hey, how are you? Like, I'm so-and-so like, what are you kind of looking to get into? And then kind of, you know, helping them like find like a table where, you know, there are other people working on that thing or right. Um, there are some kind of technical ways that we've tried to make it easier. Like we have this thing called the meta environment, which tries to like, if, if you're familiar with varying vagrant vagrants, the, the kind of automated provisioning kind of yep. local virtual system. Um, we have a, a thing that kind of tries to automatically provision all of the, the official websites into something like that. So people don't have to spend the whole day just like downloading code and, and trying to get it set up with the database and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's always, uh, there's always lots of challenges around all that. I think it's the very nature of the beast, right? You've got a project that's been around now for 15 years and some people know exactly what to do and how they want to help and what they don't want to do. And <laughs> other people are brand new and have a range of skill sets, but might not know anybody. And it's trying to that, are we going to get milestones done today or are we going to welcome new people to the team to grow it, to share the work, to help them enable them to embrace it. So it, it, it's a challenge and I, I it, it's difficult to get perfectly right. And, um, with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna change gears on us a little bit, Ian, and I'm gonna okay. ask you about success. Yeah, we need to get away from the talk about varying vagrant. vagrant <laughs> this is not a tech show. Sorry. <laughs> First, so um, so yeah, let me let me ask you about success, then. let me just finish the question if I can. And it's, how do you define success? And it can be a personal definition, a professional, or maybe for you, it's a mix of both. Yeah, I think it, it kind of is, um, I do tend to think of them in different ways. Um, like from a pr professional sense, I think I'm probably similar to a lot of your guests that I've heard where like, I don't really think of it in terms of like money or status or titles or any anything like that. It's more about um, having work that I enjoy doing and work that I think makes a kind of a positive impact on the world. Um, even if that's kind of subtle or, or, you know, um, and then on the personal side, I would say it's probably the, the, I guess the two things that I really think of are having like building healthy relationships with the people around me and then kind of orienting my life around the things that I really value. Um, I mean, relationships are kind of obvious. It's like, that's it's maybe the most difficult part of life, but it's also kind of the most fulfilling. And, um, but yeah, values is, is more harder to pin down. It's kind of, I guess just like when I look around and when I look at the world, I kind of see a lot of people suffering and, you know, whether that's like, like homelessness in my own neighborhood or it's human trafficking on the other side of the world, or I mean, there's human trafficking in Seattle too, but, um, or, you know, like malnutrition, disease, extreme poverty, like there's all these, these ways that kind of people all around the world don't have the, the, the kind of privileges and comfort that I do. And like, so when I contrast that to my own life, it just, I guess it kind of, it, it creates this like visceral feeling that like there's something deeply wrong about that like the world wasn't meant to be a place where some people starve to death and other people drive around in BMWs. Um, so, and I mean, that's not to like shame people who own BMWs. There are things in my own life that are just as like selfish and everything. But I guess, it, you know, like when I, when I think about 
what would be a successful life. I can't imagine that it doesn't in, in some kind of significant way focus on using my privilege to like alleviate the suffering of others. That's a very genuine definition. I can tell just from watching you speak and listening to you talk about it. You spent some time thinking about that and you very much believe that. So thank you for sharing that. And Mm -hmm. given that personal definition, which I think is really powerful, what's the most important thing you can do every day to achieve that success? Yeah, that's, that's a harder one. Um, yeah, I mean, I sorry. don't. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know that I. I don't have a lot of like habits or anything that I kind of try to do. Um, I mean, I guess in in terms of like the the more uh, the idealistic side of things, uh, like what I try to do to um, kind of alleviate suffering in the world. I, I you know, kind of the two main things that I've always focused on our time and money. Um, and, and money is the pretty straightforward one. Like, you know, I'm an overpaid tech worker, so it's, you know, and I'm, I was raised to be very frugal and I'm kind of a minimalist anyway. So like, I don't really want a lot of stuff. And so it's easy for me to kind of just, you know, give a lot of this disposable income to all these like organizations around the world that are doing great things. Um, but the harder part has always been uh, volunteering and, and, and using my time to, to do that. So um, it, it's just been hard to find things that I feel like fit um, and that I can kind of sustain like emotionally over the long term. But uh, lately I've been getting more involved in, um, you know, homelessness in Seattle is a big, a big thing just because of um, a lot of the different kind of dynamics at play. Um, and there's a couple of different uh, shelters, one in my neighborhood and one in uh, the neighborhood next door that kind of I've gotten involved with. And I've always liked cooking, um, like for friends and stuff. So I've I found ways to kind of get involved with like planning meals and cooking and serving. And um, that feels like kind of a, like a tangible way for me to, to you know, do something to, to help those things. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I think I'd agree with you that homelessness is kind of an all-encompassing need, right? I mean, it's it's shelter, it's food, kind of very immediate, real needs. But there's a lot of mental health, there's a lot of addiction issues, there's a lot yeah. of you know, probably uh, historical family troubles, and uh, there's a lot of different ways to involve ourselves and to help support people on that. And I think there's there's something very satisfying about meeting that that very corporal need of feeding people. And, you know, the conversations and the human connection that, that comes through that, especially where you and your privileged state, to use your words, uh, definitely are, are serving. You're, you're, you know, you're not just writing the check and somebody else is getting the food. You're down there and you're making the food and you're putting it on the plate and presumably you're helping clean up too. So that's mm-hmm. really amazing. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it's just, uh, um, when you can kind of like, you know, it, it, it is that tangible thing. And then it also has kind of the intangible aspects to it too. Like, you know, um, like people really notice when you like, even just small things like using um, real silverware that like you then have to wash afterwards rather than like disposable stuff. Um, like people really, that makes it feel um, 
or just like cooking a meal that's kind of not just like, you know, something from a box, but like really like spending like, you know, five hours to like really plan out something in like the way that you would do for like your family, you know, like I feel like people really notice that and it makes them, it kind of like the world's values are so upside down a lot of times and it kind of, in some ways it kind of shifts that around and makes people feel like, you know, they're recognized as a human being and they're, they're kind of given back some of the dignity that like was taken from them. And yeah. What I love about this is the, is the fact that you're here talking about it. And, and we haven't had a lot of conversations that have gone in this direction on this show, but it's definitely something that's very um, top of mind in our current climate in this country. And so it's nice to hear someone talking about it. And I think that, you know, we have finite resources when it comes to money and time. And so mm-hmm. I think for me personally, and I think this is, this is not unusual, is that you sort of feel, I mean, I know the story is, you know, the cliche is, you know, you can make a, a, one person can make a change, but it's really easy, I think, to feel overwhelmed by the number of things that are wrong in the world and the number of people who are suffering and where do you start and what's your one issue if you can focus on one or do you give $25 to 50 different organizations or do you give one big sum or, you know, or you're donating your time to one shelter. So how do you how do you make a bigger difference? And the, the, you know, the line, if not you, who Mm. you have to take that one step first. And then when you start talking about it and sharing, and I'm really happy to be doing this here today with you is, is that you may inspire someone else. And so then it kind of spreads that way. And so I really appreciate your sharing that uh, on our show today, because I think it's, it is, it's great to hear you doing whatever you're doing, whether you're serving at a homeless shelter or you're reading stories to children in an after-school care place or, or um, you know, helping with the immigrant crisis or whatever your, your choice is. But there are so many things to choose from. It is overwhelming sometimes. So thanks for taking that step and making it an important part of your values and how you view success and what's important to you. I, I think that's helpful here and always. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it is like a very personal thing. Like I think everybody has to find, like there's not that one thing that everybody should do. It's more like, how can you, what What are the, the things in your life that like, you know, like for me, like I live in a neighborhood of Seattle where like on the one hand, there are people who live in like these luxury apartments that are like $2,000 a month. And then there's also people like in the same neighborhood on the same street living in a tent on the sidewalk. And so um, you know, it's, 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 that juxtaposition is very motivating. You know, it's like I can, um, but you know, if I were in a different context, you know, it could be something totally different and it's just about, you know, everybody has to kind of find that part of their life where, you know, their kind of talents meet like the needs of the people around them or, um, or the people that they can impact. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's also a good reminder of the blessings that we have right when you see Mm -hmm. that too is to be grateful for the things that we have and and to work hard to be mindful of that so yeah yeah Yeah, that that was that was awesome uh i I won't say more i'll just thank tara for for thanking you because i i echo many of her of her uh, sentiments there but let me let me ask you the second of our signature questions and and I'm really interested to hear your answer on this one. But what is the single most valuable piece of advice 
be it personal or professional, that you've ever received and implemented in your life? Yeah, it's it's a latter part. That's the hard one, right? <laughs> the implementing. Um, oh, it sounds like you're doing some things already. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe to jump back to like the professional side of things, I um, I think one thing that sticks out um, just recently, one of my teammates told me that uh, it kind of encouraged me to to make a habit of being proactive about mental health and self care. Um, and uh, I don't do a great job of that, <laughs> but uh, I think the one thing that would that I kind of think about, um, and sometimes I do it, um, is just going for a walk during the day. Um, you know, like after I kind of um, have kind of I, I wake up and I go through my email and Slack and all that, and kind of the the kind of things that I have to respond to, and then I have the rest of the day to kind of try to you know build something or whatever. Um, I think if I can kind of take uh, take some time like after that initial rush of like emails and whatever, like take some time and just go for a walk and like not listen to a podcast, which is like what I normally do when I'm walking, but like just kind of let my mind wander and uh, kind of mull things over in the background. And um, it's hard to do that because I always feel like there's so much work to do um, and there's so much work that I want to do. Um, And it's like, it's like, you know, exercising in a way, like if you you feel really good when you do it, but there's that, kind of inertia that you have to get over before you will do it. Um, so that, that's probably the thing that I, I think would make the most difference if I could make it more of a habit. Yeah. I think that ties into what you mentioned when you were thinking about how to give of your time in a sustainable way mm-hmm. is, you know, something like homelessness. I can, especially when you're right there and you're kind of on the front line, if you will, and you're seeing, people and all their grandeur and all their challenges. And if you don't take care of yourself, you know, that can be really emotionally and psychologically overwhelming and, and not to paint you into a corner. I don't mean to say it's, it's something that will only happen to you, but you know, we could all, if we didn't take care of ourselves, end up right next to them in the, oh, yeah. in the homeless shelter. And to your point, you know, it seems like, well, I really just want to help them all the time. Like, no, if I, if I help them all the time, I will end up there and I need to help them in a way that is sustainable. So I, I love that advice. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's really valuable. And I like the way that you framed it and positioned it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that old saying about like, you have to you know, fix your own o- oxygen mask before you like, you know, do your kids or whatever. Yes. I love that analogy. Yep. I think we're just about, or we are beyond, we are beyond time because this has been so enriching. <laughs> I really have enjoyed this, Ian. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your thoughts and inspiring us to be better people and better members of our communities and of the world. So thank you very much for doing that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Um, yeah, I don't really do like social media all that much. Um, so the main thing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the main thing I do is just, I have a blog at, um, iandunn.name and it's just kind of about WordPress development and like whenever I, I kind of can't find the answer to something that I need to like, and I figure it out, I'll like write a blog post about it or something like that. Cool. Ian, thank you so much for joining us out here in the hallway. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed having you on today. Thank yeah, you. Great meeting you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, 
meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.